Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 129th episode of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Brought to you by me, your host, Mac B. the Wolf. And I will be joined, as usual, by my partner in crime, Gary Action Jackson, from the East Coast of the United States. And yes, I am back in the United States for a little while, folks. Not in London right now, not in Amsterdam right now, but I am back in the USA. And we appreciate all the listeners in the USA coming on board. We've had some nice growth here over the last couple of months. I hope that means you've been enjoying our shows like the last two we did on Metallica, opening their world tour, the M72 world tour in Amsterdam. I got to go back for a bit for that. And the shows were amazing. They're a lot of fun. And our episodes have done pretty well. We appreciate you reaching out and telling us that or telling us which set list you like better than the others. So if you haven't heard those, go check out episodes 127 and 128 to learn a little bit more about it. Of course, Metallica released their first album in 1983, and it took them a little while to build up to be the global superstars that they are today. But on 1983, a very important heavy metal record was released, and that's Holy Diver by Dio. That's right, the legendary Ronnie James Dio, who had been in Elf, and then Rainbow with Richie Blackmore, and then took over for Ozzy in Black Sabbath for a spell. Then it got to be 1982, 1983. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go out on my own. I know how to do this. I've got the talent. I've got enough people around me that I can make a killer record. And that's exactly what he did. And we got Holy Diver. It's very highly regarded by heavy metal fans and rock critics around the world. A chance for Ronnie James Dio to finally step out. He's not in Black Sabbath. He's not with Richie Blackmore. He's doing it on his own. But he wasn't on his own because he had incredible talent like Vinnie Appice, who he had been with in Black Sabbath, like Vivian Campbell, who's this young hotshot guitar player, and Jimmy Bain, the veteran bass player. But as that album is turning 40, and it's also kind of right around the anniversary of Ronnie's passing, he passed away in May of 2010, we thought it'd be a great time to revisit this record, go over what's good, what's a little dated, what's bad, uh, and why we still love Ronnie. We've done a couple shows on Ronnie, I believe show 99, or 98 it was, it was on Dreamers Never Die, the biopic that came out last year, kind of had a one or two night run in theaters, and I got to see that while I was in Amsterdam, and Jackson and I talked about it. Also, our 13th show was on Dio the Black Sabbath years, just talking about those first couple records he made with Sabbath and the chances I had to see him live later days in the 2000s in heaven and hell. 
which is basically Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. But before we get into that, we do have a couple pieces of business. First, we always like to mention that we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, proud members, about 100 different shows. Really, with something out there for everybody. All genres are covered, and we have guests on from those other shows. We've guested on some of the other shows, so you should go check out at Pantheon Pods. There's also a cool app where you can kind of sample a lot of different shows, and our stuff is on there if you want to check it out. And we're proud that we have a new store, the Ugly American Werewolf in London shop, and you can go to our Twitter page, at Ugly underscore Werewolf, to check out the link to that. There's t-shirts, long and short. There's a couple of tchotchkes on there, mugs and cups. We're going to be adding stuff in there soon. But please go ahead and check that out. We know Father's Day is coming up, and you might want something cool. If you want to support the show, it would be huge to us if you got a t-shirt. And then send it to us. Send us a picture of where you are and you wearing it. That would be so, so cool. That would be the greatest Father's Day gift to either of us. But if you're a real record collector, and I know a lot of you are, You've got to go check out our sponsor, RareVinyl.com. Guys, RareVinyl.com has been doing this for 40 years. They have a collection of over a quarter of a million items in stock. Lots of LPs, CDs, tour books, posters, singles, whatever you're looking for, they probably have it. They have it from all over the world, and they ship all over the world. And they just gave us a new code to start using for you to save 10% off orders, and that's ugly. All you got to do is put in U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You need to save 10% on your collectibles. So you can go to rarevinyl.com, find something cool that you like, plug in ugly. You're saving yourself 10%. That's a huge deal for you. And you can trust these guys. They do an amazing job of taking care of all the records and items that they collect. And they take great care and getting it to you in phenomenal shape. So check out rarevinyl.com. They ship all over the world. So they're based in the UK, but you can get their stuff anywhere. I don't care if you're in Argentina or Alaska, you can get stuff from rarevinyl.com and use the code UGLY, you're going to save yourself 10%. And if you use the old term uh, podcast, and now they won't let you use that again, all right, we'll go back. Use UGLY now. It'll save you 10% of your next one. Get a big one. Save yourself 10%. Now, I have to admit, I came to Ronnie James Deal a little bit late in life. I wasn't into them in high school. In college, I started to get into Rainbow a little bit, and I really found his Black Sabbath, The Heaven and Hell, and Mob Rules and Live Evil Days to be phenomenal. So once I was in my 20s, I was out of college, I'm like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to explore a little bit of Ronnie James Dio as Dio here and see what it's all about. And as it's the 40th anniversary of Holy Diver, Jackson and I thought we'd go through this one track by track with you and celebrate the life of Ronnie James Dio, who we lost in 2010. So strap in, guys. This is all about Holy Diver as it turns 40 right here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So let's get into Holy I can say I love this. Well, I love Ronnie James Dio, right? Basically, ever since I kind of discovered his Black Sabbath years, I'm like, God, this guy's voice is incredible. He's so good. But it did take me a while to get into the Dio stuff. Like, I went, heard of him in Sabbath, went to Rainbow. I'm like, oh, yeah. Rainbow's awfully good. Then I went back and really dove in on the first two Ronnie James Dio Black Sabbath albums. And then I'm like, okay, well, he's got to have more, right? Let's see what Solo Dio's all about. Meanwhile, this is happening basically 15, 20 years after, you know, he, he kind of took off as a solo artist. But where did, how did you come to first understand or, or know or appreciate Ronnie James Dio? And then was it, did you like him right away or did it take years before you kind of figured him out? I think probably I've, I heard him in high school with either Holy Diver or Rainbow in the Dark from this record. Right. And then, yeah, kind of worked it backwards from there. You know, he was, he was in, you know, Black Sabbath, right? No, I didn't know that. Okay, well, Black Sabbath is Ozzy Osbourne. Correct. However, there are a couple of albums that are arguably as good or even better than the Ozzy records, uh, both in the way that he sings and kind of the some of the song crafting is better too. Absolutely. For those records. So yeah, that's how I found him. And then, yeah, then back into Rainbow from there and just thought to myself, like, why is this dude not, why is he not as big as Ozzy in the United States? I don't get it. I know. And why is he a household name? I mean, I know right. that he's a big solo artist. He is popular in the rock set and he toured very well. But the average, I don't know, the average maybe suburban rock fan, I don't know, didn't really know Dio. And he was kind of cast with that whole, because of his themes, you know, the wizardry kind of has that Dungeons and Dragons fantasy theme to it. Right. right? He got kind of cast with the Iron Maidens and some of the other people who didn't get a lot of radio play. He didn't get on MTV with good reason, given the videos off this album. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about that. But, and he's, I'm not going to say he's not an attractive man, but he's awfully short. He's kind of losing his hair. He's not gorgeous. And uh, yeah, there's a certain brand of rock that in the early 80s, I mean, 1983, what were we as 10-year-olds listening to, right? Michael Jackson, Men at Work, Duran Duran, The Police. The cars, you know, stuff like that. I mean, we, you know, it, this didn't hit our radar, probably because our mother's like, you don't listen to that kind of stuff. But also right. MTV didn't give it much of a chance either. Yeah. And unfortunately, I understand, come to find out that the demon on the front's name is Murray. 
Uh, right. So that takes it down a couple of pegs. But yeah, this was not one you were going to have hanging around in the house either with the demon and the priest is, what is he killing the priest? Is he drowning? <laughs> What's going on? That's yeah. That's not something that you can have displayed out next to Michael Jackson's thriller. Well, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And we can talk about that album art here for a minute there. It was illustrated by a guy named, a guy named uh, Randy Barrett. But yeah, it's, it's basically, it's Murray. who's kind of a demonic, kind of looks like the devil, kind of over a mountain or something like that. And he's whipping with a metal chain a Catholic priest who's like flailing around and splashing around in, in the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, Ronnie James Dio is famously a Catholic. Yes. He's Italian. And he, he's had some lot of good interviews over the years about this, how being closer to God doesn't, even, doesn't necessarily mean being more religious. You know, there's kind of a separation between the two. And, right. Um, you know, and, and talking about how religion, he, he's always sending up the Catholic Church. He's taking the piss out of the Catholic Church. That's kind of <laughs> his thing. But then, of course, you see this, and then, you know, the Christian groups in America, oh, he's satanic, we can't have him, let's burn his records. I'm like, that's all you people do. You don't tell people who or how to love, you tell them who to be afraid of and who to hate, you know, right. basically. Who to fear, yeah. you know, who to fear. And I think, I think Ronnie was big into, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, is that really what this means? Does it mean something else? Don't take it, don't take it at face value. Like, get into it and, you know, trying to get into what he's talking about. And there was a great story from his his son at the funeral talking about how, you know, people would say, what you're, oh, you know, he worships the devil and blah, blah, blah. But you go over to his house and he's like, and he's like, hey, you know, what's for dinner? He was like the suburban exactly. house dad at the house. So completely, it was, I mean, it was a character. It was a send up. It was all just a, it was an act. But I think his thing was he wanted to tell stories through his songs. Yeah. Yeah. And he always had a balance in it. You know, like there's a good and a bad. There's light right. and there's dark, you know. And so how do you know that, you know, that wasn't, you know, uh, an angel with horns who was whipping a priest that abused children? You know, I mean, right. not all priests are good, you know, trust me. So, yeah, <laughs> it, but it is the first sign of Murray. And obviously he had just been in Black Sabbath. They'd done Mob, uh, Heaven and Hell. They did Mob Rules. They did mm-hmm. Live Evil, which, by the way, is getting a, a, you know, like a 40th anniversary kind of release or something Ooh. like that. But I already have one that has like extra tracks from other shows. This one is just like, it's four CDs, but it's the same show twice. One is remastered and one is remixed. And they want like 60 bucks for those four CDs. Hmm. I'm like, are you kidding me? That doesn't, I mean, you're not giving me anything new. Now, it, it does come with like a new book, like a 60-page book. And I'm like, that's kind of cool, but I don't know if I want to pay a buck a page for that for basically the exact same <laughs> show that I have already because I had it back in the day. I bought it in the 90s and then I bought this, you know, remastered thing that had some extra tracks on it. Like, you gotta give people more than just a remix. You gotta give them new stuff and not just new pictures or new a new write-up by somebody. Yeah, that's that's the hard part because you figure most people that are gonna buy it probably already have it. Like you said, you know, from years ago, they have it on Bray or something. So yeah, what, what are you doing that's extra that makes me say, yeah, I know I already have it, but I'm gonna buy it again. Well, and of course, you know, it basically worked out that, you know, he called up Geezer about like getting ready to do the next album. And there's a couple, I've heard a couple different versions of the story. One is that he's basically like, well, you know, Tony uh, says he 
wants to produce it himself. Uh, you know, you mean produce it himself without me? Yeah, I guess you could say that. You know, because it's very English. We don't come right out and say it. You know, although I, I don't know if that's true. I found very a lot of English to be very upfront. You know, like they'll tell you, you know, what's wrong with you. They're they're not afraid to hold back, kind of thing. But this is more of the more chill English kind of way. I've also heard like him uh, say, you know, when are we going to get together to uh, start writing the new tunes? And Gita's like. Yeah, and Ronnie's like, yeah, okay, I guess I'm out. And then that means that Vinny was out. So he pulled Vinny, Apathy, and, and said, come on, I'm going to start my own thing. You want to be a part of it? Vinny said, heck yeah, I'm down. And then he got Jimmy Bain on the, well, I mean, I think first he got Vivian Campbell, right? Did Vivian come first? I feel like Jimmy I think was so. the last I think piece he, of the puzzle. Yeah, because I think he, he wanted that gunslinger, the, mm-hmm. you know, to compete with the uh, the Van Halens of the world and the and the uh, you know Randy Rhodes also at that point in time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I and mean, that's that's who was was out there. You know. And so yeah, he. I was going to say, wasn't the story about Jimmy Bain where he called Jimmy and said, "Hey, do you know? You know, I'm putting together a band. Do you know any bass players?" And he was like, "Yeah, I'll be there tomorrow morning." And it's like, okay, that's probably not what I was really asking, but okay, I guess you're <laughs> in the right. band now, <laughs> right? Well, and this is kind of the first time we ever see or hear of, of Vivian. I mean, he, he did some stuff with Thin Lizzy kind of right before um, Phil's death. He did, uh, he was in some smaller bands before that. He was, you know, he did some White Snake stuff, as we talked about last year in our episode on the 1987 White Snake album, mm-hmm. Sunny. But uh, but this is the first time we see Vivian and or really hear him as a young man. And he is awfully good. I mean... Compared to what he plays now in Def Leppard, it has for the last 30 years. This yeah. is, it's not exactly shredding, but it's more shreddy. He gets some serious bends in there. This is more like Zach Wilde than it is Steve Clark. Yeah, it, it, it's, I was thinking about that too, about how, I mean, probably the, he's best known now from being, I mean, in Def Leppard for what, going on almost 30 years now. More than um, that, yeah. But yeah, th- this was, this was different. This, he's got a style that's kind of on his own in a, in a very heavily packed class of shredders in 1983. He stands out. Like he's got that a little bit different way that he plays fast, slow, you know, going, he, he doesn't clean, sound like, too. yeah, very clean. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, Definitely has his own sound. He he doesn't. You wouldn't say, "Oh, who is that?" No, you you know that's different. That's right. Yeah. No, and he's kind of like the young gun, young shredder there. And then he gets Jimmy Bain in to play bass. Who I guess Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's had an interesting career. He's no longer with us, but he did play with Rainbow, and he was on the Rising album with mm-hmm. Ronnie and yeah. Richie Blackmore. So Ronnie had a familiarity with him. So okay, so there's the band, and then they kind of start to put this thing together now. We did the special in the fall about uh, The Dreamers Never Die, the Ronnie James Dio biopic that was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that comes out on streaming or on DVD sometime here this spring so I can see it again. But basically, when we were watching that, it was talking about how Ronnie's like, look, we don't have the money you know, to, to pay you well and to make you like full share members, but stick with me for like two or three albums here and then we'll all be good. You know, Then we'll all come together. It'll, it'll all be good for everybody. That was the story that everyone tells. And we'll, we'll come back to that story at the end of the review. Uh, but, but obviously, you tell some young people like a young Vivian Campbell, hey, not going to pay you much first two, three, four years, but just stick with me and then it'll all be good on the back end if right. it's not all good on the back end then there could be issues that's correct. all i gotta say correct and 
If I could offer any advice here, I would say get it in writing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, he was young during this. I mean, he was born in August of 62. So fast forward to August of, of 82, he's only 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, that's, that's, and you're just starting out, and now you've got this guy who was in Rainbow with Richie Blackmore, Black Sabbath with Tony Iommi, and now you're his new foil on the guitar. That's got to be cool, but also kind of overwhelming. Yes. And I think there, there was probably a, an air of, you know, he was a, a kind of a young punk. And then so you get that, you kind of get that back and forth of he's extremely talented, he's extremely hungry. But then at the same time, don't get it twisted up to whose band this is and who's running the show here. And we were talking about Vinny and Jimmy had been around also. So there were kind of three veterans and one kid. Right. And this is a big deal for a somebody who's just getting started to come into a band like that. Yeah, you know, and he goes to California. They wrote, they uh, recorded it at Sound City, and you know he's not even twenty-one years old. Yeah, unbelievable. When this comes out, May twenty-fifth, nineteen eighty-three, Vivian's not even twenty-one. Hi guys, this is Chris Slade, drummer of ACDC and many others, and you're listening to the ugly—I mean, really ugly—Werewolf in London. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the album art a little bit there. There's a lot of fantasy stuff in here, you know, some science fiction-y kind of stuff. And some of this is retroactive. Some of this is latter-day reviews. But mm -hmm. this is regarded as one of the greatest heavy metal albums of the early 80s. And certainly as a, a quote-unquote American, even though half the band wasn't American, as a quote-unquote American heavy metal act, this receives huge praise from the critics and from the fans as one of the best metal albums of its day. And I'm not going to stand here and disagree with you on that at all. I just wonder why it wasn't bigger as far as like mainstream success. And it could have been the fact, like you said before, it, Ronnie is, I mean, he named his first band Elf. And right. maybe that reason. was, yeah, right on the money. But yeah, I mean, it's it's start to finish. We'll go through these. But I mean, th this, is a, this is a great record. And it's not really... I mean, you say heavy metal, it's kind of its own thing, really. So I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, this is something different versus what he did in Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. It's it's harder than, say, Def Leppard, who were taking off at the time. I don't know if it's quite... It, it, it's similar to Iron Maiden, certainly in themes uh, yeah. of what Iron Maiden was doing at the time, but the sound isn't always quite there the same. It, it, he kind of goes from some heavy blues that is Sabbathy to some stuff that's pretty close to thrash. Yeah. Because uh, Kill 'em All is coming out later this year, too. So you look at it at the time, like, what's Def Leppard doing? What's Iron Maiden doing with Peace of Mind? What's Metallica soon going to be doing with Kill 'em All? He's kind of sitting right there. Doesn't get the success Def Leppard does. Does probably a little bit better than Iron Maiden does in America. Maybe not in the mm -hmm. UK, but in America. And obviously does better than Metallica at the time. Right. Metallica was kind of ahead of their time. No one was ready for Kill 'em All in 1983, at least. <laughs> For the most part. All right, well, let's let's jump in here because we, we need to get moving here. Come right out with Stand Up and Shout. By the way, let's let's just say all the lyrics are written by, by Ronnie. He does those on his own. Mm -hmm. um, and then the music uh, is usually shared between different folks in the band. There's a couple, uh, Holy Diver and Don't Talk to Strangers, which is all Dio, that the music and the 
lyrics. But then different folks have contributed to the different songs on the record of the nine songs on the record. Set Up and Shout is a Dio and Jimmy Bain song. It's short, but it's a killer way to start the record. Real, real nice riff. This is probably the closest that Jimmy's going to sound to Steve Harris on the whole record, but there's definitely some Iron Maiden thumping going on underneath there. And when when you get to that solo, it is sizzling, it, it, and it's just it's just it's very unique. Like he just he's got that feel of I know when to play fast. But, mm-hmm. but like you hear some people shred and it's just all like you just I can't stop. I can't take that anymore. Right. He knows when okay, okay. He, yeah, he knows when to give you the fiddly bits and then when to give you the hard riffs. And yeah, no, it, this is a great tune. And I, I feel like the riff is is very much like a Def Leppard or Iron Maiden of the time. Like this fits in just perfectly with what those other guys are doing. Yeah, and I, I don't know why you never hear this because I mean th- this is very radio friendly. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. a teenage rock anthem. Stand up and shout. This is right. universal, you know. And it's got the thing, you know, like, the, hey, just like Motley Crue did in uh, Looks to Kill. You know, it's 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 got the hooks. I mean, it's right. And, and Motley Crue obviously sold very well in America. So I kind of don't get why this isn't. I mean, it's fast paced, but it's not thrash. It's not, you know, all the way to Metallica level or, or you know, Anthrax or Slayer. Slayer. Yeah, it's not Slayer. It's nothing yeah. like that, you know. Like you say, it is radio friendly, and Stand Up and Shout is a universal anthem. In yeah. fact, when they did that Mark Wahlberg movie, Rockstar, they uh-huh. they wrote a song, Stand Up and Shout, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's different lyrics, it's a totally different rhythm to it and all that, but it's still, you're borrowing from the master to yeah. try to create this heavy metal, <laughs> you know, fake heavy metal song. I don't get it, but and they didn't release it as a single, but they obviously knew it was good because this is how you start the album, and it's a great way to start the album. Right. Right, yeah, I, it, it baffles me. I, I don't know how, why there are some records that they released seven singles from and some that they only released two. Uh, or, well, that well, usually has to do with sales, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but but I can also, like, it's length too. Like, if you only yeah. had, like, if you know, you're not going to release a seven minute one, but uh, like we were saying, this to me, this would be a perfect single. So I don't know why. I don't either, you know, and the thing, this comes out in May, but the uh, the first single, Holy Diver, the title track, doesn't come out till August. Usually you have it a little bit before the record, or at least around right. the time of the record, Yeah, uh, and they waited for a while, Matt. Not sure why they did that. Maybe they had to create the video. Maybe they needed time and, and money and budget to, to make that video, because it's not like they could just make that in a day or something like that. Right. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, they could. <laughs> they could make that in about two hours. I think. <laughs> but here's the title track, and it's obviously crazy, crazy big song for him in his catalog. You hear the wind at the beginning, or it's kind of ominous, like which you kind of forget about if you only listen to it on the radio because they cut that all out. But it does kind of, you know, it's, it sets the mood, and mm-hmm. then when that, when the, when the single i guess intro comes in it hits pretty hard (laughs) 
that riff is huge, yeah. man. <laughs> it's iconic too, and it's it's one that allegedly Dio wrote on his own. Do you think this is his most famous song? Holy, Diver? I think so. I mean, yeah. it's it's either this one or Holy Diver, but I, I mean, I'm sorry, or Rainbow in the Dark. But I think if if you say you know Dio, this is the one they're going to think of. Last in line might be close uh, from the next album. That's debatable, I guess. So all right, it was backed with Evil Eyes, which would later be on the Last in Line. It was also backed with Don't Talk to Strangers, which is on this record. You know, it's it's kind of about a Christ figure on another planet who basically does the same thing Christ did for us here. He sacrifices himself to redeem the people. And then he, you know, I don't know if he comes back and then he's going to leave to go to another planet to do it again. They're like, no, we, we need you to stay here because we're going to keep, you know, like screwing up and we need you to continue <laughs> to redeem our us here. But it, again, it, it's talking about good and light, balance of good and evil, which is just a theme throughout all of his music here. It's, you know, it, it kind of sets the tone for the whole record, even though it's not the first song. Just a, it's a classic for Ronnie in his canon. Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't start the record with this, because this kind of, you know, you kind of had to get, this is what we're going to do. Kinda, I don't want to say that Stand Up and Shout is light, but I mean, it's, it's light on the lyrics, mm-hmm. um, th- where this one is way more heavy duty. So I'm glad that even though the riff is big, the bass is doubling the guitar, which is awesome. It makes it sound even heavier. The the lyrics are this is this is heavy. I'm glad they got you rolling before they put this one on. Yeah, a- absolutely. No, it, it makes sense. In fact, it, it could have been like the last song on the first side, if you yeah. ask me. You know, I mean, because they have all this great stuff on here. You want to finish it strong. It makes sense that Stand Up and Shout is the opening track, so if you put this as the last song on the first side, that would make perfect sense to me. It didn't perform all that well, which is not a huge surprise. I mean, Quiet Riot didn't hit number one until I think it was November of 1983, right? It's the first heavy metal album to ever hit number one in the States. And Come On, Feel the Noise hadn't hit big yet in America yet. So the fact that it only went to 40 on the U.S. mainstream rock chart and went to 72 in the UK, which means mm. basically, I mean, if you don't get, like our friend Neil at Definite Pod would tell us, if you don't get in the top 40, you're screwed. Like, like, right. nobody, you know, yeah. nobody, nobody knows about it, really, except for maybe the, the true metalheads who just had to go out and find the record. So it's not a shock to me that that's the way it performed, but it's kind of too bad. But then, if, you, if you look at the video, maybe you know why. <laughs> so... Yes, it's in this kind of, let's say, a gothic church that's been left to disrepair. And here's Ronnie. He's coming in with like his animal skins on and <laughs> kind of an old warrior with a beat up old sword. And then he sees some like peasant there who has, I don't know, he have leprosy. I don't know what's wrong with him. It looks like he kills him with the sword, but he actually turns him into a rat or three rats. I don't know. It's... It's not very well explained, I don't feel like, this video. And then he well, makes yeah. his... You know, I was going to say, this is the time, you know, we were we, we were talking about Marillion also uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, the, the video was like, they didn't really know what they were trying to do at this point in time. Were you trying to, was it trying to be like artistic? Were you trying to tell a story? There were a couple different themes going on at one time. And then I would imagine that if you were a band like this, they I, maybe you didn't spend the money maybe like we have to have a video but okay right. you know here's 58 dollars go crazy exactly you know it's got an old church that you know it's in such disrepair you're not even supposed to be there you know it's like right. don't walk around there something might topple on top of you you know 
And then he goes into the church and he finds a blacksmith there who kind of throws him the new sword, which could have been the exact same actor as the leper he turned into a rat for in a slightly different costume, as far as I know. And then he walks in this room and there's like three people in like hoods and cloaks and one of them's kind of a cat. And then he walks out with his new sword. You know, it doesn't really tell much of a story. It's not telling the story of the, the song, like the Christ-like figure who goes and gives himself up to redeem the people. But like I said, people didn't really know what they were doing. You got a small budget. You got to put something together. Right. It's a, you know, so the gothicness of the church and the sword and all that, okay, that makes sense with his genre. But it's just kind of it's it's kind of a laughable one today. Yeah, yeah, and and I can imagine I could see them you know storyboarding it or whatever on a cocktail napkin and just being really excited about you know directing this and yeah it just it just didn't turn out the way I, you thought it would I think. And it's only got Ronnie in it. It doesn't have anybody else in the band in it, so it's basically setting up. Yes, this is Ronnie James Dio, the star of Dio. It's not like right. a band. Yeah, it's, it's this correct. guy. Pay attention to that video. something i did not realize is that kill switch engage who's kind of a metal core band who's very Mm -hmm. big in their own right they did not only a single of it in august of 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 2007 but they did a video of it too okay and it had a way bigger budget than the original one did that is for sure here we are 25 years later and you know i don't know kill switch engage very well but they do a pretty killer version of it their guitars are killer on it and it's great like they have all these extras they have a lot of people like and it's a sunny day in a castle courtyard kind of thing and then in comes this knight ready to challenge kind of thing and maybe try to win the hand of a maiden who's been put under a spell she's asleep and each all five members of the band kind of have a role mm-hmm. in the in the video the drummer is the king and i think the bass player is the knight and yeah, the, the the mage of the you know wizard is one of the guitar players and the the, the sleeping damsel is actually the other guitar player uh, <laughs> but 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 it's also a bit of an homage to the video because the lead singer is the blacksmith who throws the knight his new sword and it's not all parts of it is special because when he kind of does that guttural voice, I just don't like that. I think it's unnecessary. It's got some of the double kick bass drum in it, but it, it, it's actually pretty good. And the video's great. And somehow it went to number 12 on mainstream rock, whereas the original only went to 40. That that was surprising to me. So obviously the legacy is big and these guys are big fans. It's hard. It, it, that's an interesting one to pick from or to pick to do because you can't out Ronnie Ronnie on the vocals. So you know, uh, interesting choice. I'm glad they did it though because it did. It does show that this song is. It's got a lot more fans than you would think, or it's a lot more ingrained in people's psyche than you think. That's yeah. That's absolutely right. Now, and the the album version was close to six minutes long, but the, the single yeah. version was just over four. So they, but. That's because a lot of it's kind of build up at the beginning, like the the wind blowing and maybe right. the wolf, the wolf howlings or a wolf on there. I should know that. Maybe I could lift that and, uh, and and use that, you know, in my intro here. But you know, it's it, it's you know, ride the tiger is kind of about owning your own power and yeah, uh, you know, it's it, look, it's a song for young men to feel powerful who don't have power and want to feel power. But it's a great, it's a fantastic Ronnie James Dio song. There's, there's no doubt about it. All right, now gear shift here. Third song's usually a gear shift. Gypsy, 
Mm-hmm. Again, there's some hot licks from Viv. I don't feel like the lyrics are that great on this one. Gypsy Queen, she's so mean. But I feel like it's it's a, it's a warning to young men. Like, hey, we've all been taken down <laughs> by a woman before, and you need to be wary of these chicks out there that are going to do these evil things to you, boys. Is that close? <laughs> that, that's that's what it sounds like to me. It's interesting because this is only one of two songs that he actually intros. You know, like he just yells Gypsy. It's it sounds like it's a it almost sounds like it's a live track, you know, where you mm. kind of get the crowd. Oh, I know what this is. I don't know why he decided to do that. It's a, you're right. It, it, although you're saying that the lyrics are kind of throwaway, you kind of need that after Holy Diver. Like you don't need another heavy one. You need a light, fluffy palate cleanser here. Uh, but the riff at the beginning is great. And it's almost like he's doing two at the same time. But I'm obviously overdubbing it, but it sounds great. And it's, it's a great little tune. <laughs> Vivian co-wrote the music with Ronnie on this one. He's first on the album. So, no, it, it, it makes sense. It, it's a good one. It, it, and, again, it's just it's right in the wheelhouse. You're right. I mean, look, Viv is just really good on this. For a 20-year-old in his mm-hmm. first big gig, he's killing it on this. And not every song is going to be fantastic. And it's like, hey, riff is awesome. Licks are great. Lyrics, eh, you know, that's okay. You can forgive that. Yeah, exactly. Because you're getting into the power of this music. And that's, that's what they're kind of moving along here as we go through the album. That's what you need to focus on, especially on this one, because this one's not bad. And I would love to hear him play this one live with Vivian or maybe with Craig Goldie. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's probably not my, I love the licks, but overall, it's not my favorite song of the record. Right. I would, I would agree with you on that. This is a nice middle of the album filler tune. Yeah. Now, if you move to number four here, caught in the middle, this Mm -hmm. sounds more like a rainbow track to me. Yeah, I don't I don't really like this one to be honest with you. It's it's not that it's a bad song. To me it's very generic. The lyrics mm-hmm. are throwaway. Ronnie still sounds killer on this, but this could have been anyone. Like you know you hear Holy Diver could only be Dio. Rainbow in the Dark could only be this band. This one is just this could have been anybody. <laughs> lockstep uh, once yeah. again i mean my notes were nice riff but kind of generic yeah which is basically exactly <laughs> what you said and then ronnie sings the hell out of it like yeah exactly mm-hmm. ronnie does a great job but there's not much there you know correct correct and what are you caught in the middle of is is kind of the, the real question here like, right what 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 are you saying about right. i mean this this probably could have been a hit 
for a lesser band, you know, kind of the one hit wonder, like, is who is that? It sounds like somebody else. I don't know. But I, I just think that they kind of phoned this one in. Yeah. You know, and some of it, I don't, you know, you can sail away to the sun, let it burn you while you can or walk a long bloody road like the hero who never ran. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that stand <laughs> up and fight? I, I'm not sure, you know, fly away in the clouds. You know, you're losing your control, finding your way in the dark, like some f- poor forgotten soul. I'm just, I'm not sure exactly caught in the middle helpless again. I, I get for young people who are, they don't feel like they're in control of their life. Maybe they're mm-hmm. caught between being a kid who needs their mother and father for everything versus I'm not quite an adult where I can work and put a roof over my head kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is, but like that teenage stuff, because that's who it sounds like he's singing to on most of these songs is yeah. teenage boys looking for some power. That's what it seems to be. So that's probably what this one is about. And I think he had mentioned that a couple times too, that he, you know, he was trying to write songs that were inspirational to people, mm-hmm. uh, not, you know, traditionally inspirational, but that you could find inspiration with listening to them. Maybe that's it. But yeah, it, it's just, to me, this is just like, we need words that sound the same, that rhyme, go do it. <laughs> well, and, but see the, the, the music, the riff sounds more rainbow to me because we're, we're getting to some heavy, I mean, the, the first few songs are pretty heavy stuff, big eighties riffs, Big bands that are very kind mm-hmm. of Zach Wild. Not a lot of that here. This is more of a more of the groove kind of thing versus yeah. the, the heavy metal thing. So I'm like, yeah, that that's he's pulling that from his Rainbow days. I felt like to me anyway, for what my opinion might be worth. Who wrote that with him? That was Vinny and Vivian wrote that music with with Ronnie on that one. So that's interesting. But that's maybe why it has more of a groove to it because because Vinny was involved. Yeah, and then the last song on the first side, "Don't Talk to Strangers." How do you like this one, Jackson? This is a nice. I, I like the uh, I like the acoustic intro. It's different, mm-hmm. uh, so that doesn't sound it. It doesn't sound like anything you've heard before for, on this record. I don't know why he's whispering. Don't talk to strangers. If it's that important, you should probably. Say it a little louder, make sure everybody heard it. I don't know why he's introing the track, but but it, this kind of starts slow and then it then it kicks into uh, to a nice rock tune. Don't smell the flower. There it is. No, it's it, at first you it, you seems like it's going to be a lament or a ballad yeah. or something like that, and then here comes not only the big rip, but it's it's a bit of a U.S. gallop too. It's not quite the maiden gallop, mm-hmm. but it, it's got a little bit of that gallop there. You know? Yeah, and you know I don't know. Again, it's warning about you know the, the good and evil. Don't smell the flowers; they're an evil drug to make you lose mm-hmm. your mind. I don't know if that's about heroin or what. Don't dream of women because they'll only bring you down. Yeah. Well, you, you got to dream about them sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie, she is. Uh, don't dance in the darkness. You may stumble and you're sure to fall. Don't write in starlight because the words may come out real. Eh. Don't talk to strangers because they're only there to make you sad. Run, run, run away. I mean, don't talk to strangers is a good thing for like little kids. It's a nice PSA. Um, yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Is it? Uh, the music is great. Like mm-hmm. you said, it starts out slow. There's acoustic. Then it comes a big gallop. It slows back down near the end. And then it picks back up. And there's a howl from Ronnie there. So it's, it fits. It makes sense on the record. 
again, I don't, I don't love this one just because I, I, I don't, the lyrical content, I mean, the, it seems to me that he's great with the title. The title is a common turn of phrase, don't talk to strangers, straight through the heart, caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. These are all things that we're familiar with. But then the actual, what is he saying in the song, doesn't always translate for me. And, this and is one that doesn't. Yeah, and it, sometimes it seems like, too, he's got something that he wants to tell you. And it gets pretty heavy duty. And sometimes, even though this is a cautionary tale, again, it's just kind of like, did you take a break? Like, or did you write this? Like, you know, we need another song and we've got this riff. We've got this intro. Okay. uh, Give me five minutes and I'll, I'll uh, get this done for you. Well, it was all Dio himself, you know, no help, I guess, from the, from the boys on this. Uh It's not bad. And I like that it is different. Has that acoustic start? Is kind of up and down on it there. But again, it's not one that, that I would say, well, I was, ooh, he's playing Don't Talk to Strangers tonight, man. <laughs> Let's make sure we get there, you know. I don't know. But that ends side one. Yes. Yeah, because it's five and then four on side two. So I guess some of them are a little bit longer. The, the album's pretty typical. It's, you know, it's between 41 and 42 minutes. So some of the yeah. shorter songs, like Stand Up and Shout and Gypsy, they are on the first side, and then there's some some longer ones on the second side. They start off with Straight Through the Heart, which uh, Ronnie wrote with uh, Jimmy Bain. I don't have that many notes on this. Like, it's a big riff with a little sick bending from Viv, but again, it's it's kind of just like a common turn of phrase as far as the, the song yeah. goes. Yeah, the, the, the one that I, the, the, what I like about this one is Vinny is really showcased, I think. He's, he's hitting the drums hard. It starts, they have a drum intro. So it, not that he's, he hasn't been killing it so far, but this, uh, to me, this one showcases him out in front, at least at the beginning. Anything to, to put Vinny out there, I think he's great. I, yeah. Obviously, he was great in Sabbath and then Heaven and Hell and, and a lot of different bands he's been in over the years. I am a big fan of what he does there. But, you know, again, he's he's trying to tell a story, you know, living in a world of make-believe, I can hide behind what's real, wearing your emotions on your sleeve, and they all know what you feel. So, yeah, it, it's hard. It's like coming out of your shell. You know, you mm-hmm. may be, it, it's, you can play your Dungeons and Dragons, but if you let people know how you feel, then show emotion that they're going to be able to, to use that against you kind of thing. Yeah. I like it. There's, he's doing a little bit. He, um, Viv is doing a little bit, something different here. He's giving like the little squeals in there, which is, we haven't heard before on this record. It sounds good to me. It, this is another nice change of pace. To me, there really aren't two songs on this record that sound the same, I which agree is nice. Because yeah. sometimes you get into that, especially like the, during the middle or if you front load the record, there's always there's a couple that you're like, Wait, was this A or B? I don't even remember. They both kind of sound the same. You may not love every single one on here, but I don't think any two sound the same. But I think you're right about that. And again, he's, he's kind of giving folks a guide, young people a guide. It's like, you know, about wearing your emotions, like you have to have a barrier up because, you know, once you let your guard down, that's how people can really hurt you, right? Uh-huh. Like, let that guard down and then it comes straight through the heart. That's how they really pierce you, you know? So it's good to be in your little world there, but you got to feel your feelings. And at some point, 
you're going to have to break out and be a little bit vulnerable. But just be careful. Be wary of that because that might not be today. But, you know, if you're saying you're trying to play to, you know, teenage men, you want to, that's a very hard concept to master. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Never tell a secret with your eyes. It's the eyes that let you down. Tell a little truth with many lies. So, yeah, build yourself up. And, you know, when you're five foot one or whatever Ronnie is, <laughs> you, you definitely have to build yourself up. You have to create this image. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's him walking with a sword. That's, a, you know, I, I think part of the reason there wasn't anyone else in that video is if you put someone next to next to him, he looks tiny. You know, well, even if it's Vivian Campbell, who's not super tall, but he's right. kind of normal tall. You know? So, yeah, so that's, you know, shout to the wind. How can you hurt me this way? Like it's, it's for teenage angst, basically. Mm-hmm. Big riff from Viv. You know, it's fine. But I, I think it gets better as we kind of go on here on the second side, which is rare. You know, usually you have a big first song on the second side, and then it kind of starts to go down. Yeah, yeah, you kind of hide the uh, the marginal tracks at the end, yes. Right, but it's that's not necessarily the truth here, because Invisible, a second song on the second side, I bet this uh, opening, the opening on Invisible was cool live. Okay. You know, because it's, it's a bit of a pace changer, but it's still got cool guitar. And then riff, riff, riff. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's kind of off and running there, you know. Chalice of the virgin lies the chalice of the soul. And it's likely you might find the answer there. Yeah, I have a different intro guitar, slower and distorted. Ronnie is singing a little bit lower, different register. But then at the, about the 120 mark, it starts to it starts to get going, really starts to rock out. And to me, that is very rainbow with that groove in there at that point. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of an interesting song. Now, this is where his lyrics might get a little more deep, especially in today's world. It seems to me, okay, look, look he wrote it for everyone. It seems like it, it could be about anyone who is living in a place where they don't quite belong, which is a very teenage angsty kind of theme. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me, you know, he's talking directly to gay and maybe even trans folks, uh, you know, okay. from the start of it. I mean, would you agree with me there? I mean, it's it's definitely a deal where, you know, it, it, you can feel like you're in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff, you know, thousands of people, wherever you're in a big city, but you're all alone. You know, you you do feel like you are invisible to people. And yeah, I mean, if you've got something that perhaps you is going on in your life that you is big, but you can't tell anybody, I mean, that's got to be pretty tough. So, I mean, I didn't get that from this song, but now having you explain that, I could hear that. Yes. Yeah. Just a little things, you know, he was just 18, in between a lady and a man, his daddy's girl and mama's world, you know, the world confused, has been abused, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh-huh. like, that's pretty straightforward. Like, okay, you're talking about a gay kid or a kid who yeah. doesn't quite Or, or just in. somebody who's confused. Like, you don't you don't know what's going on. You yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny that it was that long ago. I mean, 83 to now. And, you know, we're still, again, we talk about this 
quite a bit on this show about how there are themes from older records that are still Just very relevant today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, and, and some of it's about like how do I fit in? You know, my parents are really religious, but that's not for me. You know, kind mm-hmm. of things. But it, it's 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 a common story. Whether it doesn't matter if you're gay or you know you're religious or, or whatever it is. Basically, the teenage situation, uh, state of life where you're kind of caught between, am I a child? Am I a grown-up? Am I on my own? Do I need support? Do I need support for my parents? Or do I just need support for my friends, who the ones who understand me kind of thing? Yeah. And the only way to really stay is to walk right out the door. So the only way you can be yourself uh, or to be true to your family is to leave them and not just be the way they want you to be kind of thing. I think it's probably as deep as lyrics on the record. To be honest with you, yeah, and it's pretty heavy duty for uh for well maybe that's that was the the intent to put it a little bit farther get you into this before they lay something that heavy on you maybe so but it's like a lot of teenage a lot of young people would feel invisible like you know the, the right the, the girls don't see me or maybe my parents don't see who I really am mm-hmm. or even my friends don't get it and because like going back to the other one straight from the heart. You know, it's hard to open yourself up as a teenager to be vulnerable, to let people in and say, this is how I really feel. Because, you know, you're going to get mocked for it if Correct. you show any kind of vulnerability, yeah. right? Right, so, yeah. As soon, yeah. As soon as you let that out into the air, yes, there is a very real possibility that you are going to get destroyed. Yeah. And who wants that? Who needs that in their lives, right? right? So you put these two together and now you're really starting to see the, the picture of the teenager that really needs support needs guidance and, and you know what god bless ronnie james tm for trying to provide it for him because i know a lot <laughs> of kids weren't getting it from their parents they definitely don't get it from school but again you wouldn't think looking at the album cover and the the uh titles of these songs that that's what you were getting from this record but again to ronnie's point hey don't look at this and think you know what you're getting you it might be something totally different you know and it, you say it, it didn't go mainstream and you're right i mean for the most part it didn't but it still went double platinum in America. Right. And I mean, nothing to sneeze at. But again, you know, if you were talking about MTV. Mm-hmm. If you turned on MTV in 1983, these videos were not in heavy rotation. No, no, I didn't see these basically till the advent of YouTube many years right. later. Right. I never, and I watched a lot of MTV, probably more. Of course, than as, as did I. And, and, you know, when you see these videos, you say, I didn't even know they were around. Well, it's because they, they, I mean, what did they play them at 2 30 in the morning or something? Right. Yeah. I gotta go to bed at nine, man. I'm never <laughs> this, you know. this is Sunny Hollywood Pooney, and you are listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Why? Somebody has to. But speaking of videos on MTV, here comes the eighth song of the third song of the second song, Rainbow in the Dark. Now, I gotta admit that this is the one that kind of caught me as far okay. as his solo or his Dio work, because I knew Rainbow pretty well. I'd gotten into Rainbow when we were in college, like the end of our college days. And then between then and like 2000, I really got into Heaven, Hell, and Mob Rules okay, uh, and, and Live Evil. I'm like, okay, Ronnie James Dio with Black Sabbath, this is amazing, this is killer. And so then it was, call it 1999 or so, that I was finally starting to like, all right, well, look, if, if I like Dio and Black Sabbath and I like Rainbow so much, then I've got to like Dio. It's just in the back of my mind that was still like, 
oh, it's that demon stuff and those weird album covers. And it's heavy metal that wasn't cool. Yeah, it's all Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. But when I got, I got like a Best of Dio, like a cheap one, I think, like a, Mm-hmm. And it had this on there. I'm like, well, this is pretty good. And maybe I'd heard it some when I was a kid because this did get some radio play mm-hmm. back in the day. But I'm like, even though there's keyboards in it, I'm like, this is a killer, killer song. And if you hear the original, original of it without the keyboards, mm-hmm. it sounds pretty good. I mean, it, the riff is killer, and they had that so, that uh, explanation about how they were they were recording it, I guess. And Jimmy just saunters up with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth mm-hmm. and just starts into the keyboard part. And they say, "Well, no, that's way better. Put that on there." Right. So, the, but I will give them credit for it was 1983. They obviously had the keyboard hanging around. The urge to use it would have been very, very heavy in the room because there was a lot of keyboards hanging around there. So I'm glad they, I'm glad they kept it to a minimum on this one. Well, that's right. Yeah, but no, it was. And, and Vinny, I think, was talking about that in "Dreamers Never Die" about how like this is basically how it came together, kind of thing. And, and Ronnie yeah. always said because you know, like Jeff Nichols had kind of been like Black Sabbath's keyboard player you know for years but they kind of kept him off stage right they say okay you can play this when we need it but we want you're not like in the band we're not going to put you out because you can't have you quote unquote can't have keyboards in heavy metal right and and bruce dickinson would say that in interviews you can't have keyboards in heavy metal and but he was like and i think even don airy who's been in deep purple for for like forever now who did some work with with ronnie as well he was always telling like jeff or, or and and don like just, just hang in there, man. Just, just stick with us. You know, one day you're going to be able to be on stage with us. And mm-hmm. eventually, Ronnie did have a keyboard player on stage with him. But everybody, all four of them, wrote "Rainbow in the Dark" together, and it's killer. Great song. But is it about oppression? Is it about being abandoned and, and being all alone? I'm, I'm not sure. The, the riff is killer. Again, you kind of have that light and dark kind of theme again. Because if, you know you may be in this beautiful rainbow, but if you're in the dark, nobody can see you. Right. It, interesting. You were talking about Ronnie's stature. So how do we get around that? Well, we put him on the roof or a roof. <laughs> right. You know, and there's there's a lot. I mean, if you watch the video, there's a lot of there's scenes of him by himself on the roof, but then there are scenes of like looking up from the street to him leaning over. So it just gives that illusion that he's maybe taller than he really is. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the line about do your demons ever let you go? Like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, how do you, how do you get around that? How do you, even if you're successful and, you know, now you've got your own band, your own direction, you know, are there things, are there, are there things in your mind telling you you can't do it or that you're, you know, you're, you should have stayed where you were. I don't know. Like that's a, it, 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 this is one that's, again, we were talking about, there's some lyrics that are like, eh, this one is one where you can just sit there and listen to it and, and really try and get the meaning of what he's trying to tell you here. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm still struggling with it. I mean, you know, it's, Again, do you feel alone? Do you feel on your own like nobody's there to help you? 
Yeah. You know, feel the magic, feel it floating in the air. It's very Ronnie James Dio to me. Very Ronnie James Dio. Lost my hold of the shadows of the night, no sign of the morning coming, even left on your own. Like a rainbow in the dark. I just love it. And you're right. It's funny. So they're in central London for the most part, not too far from the tents. And you can see Trafalgar Square. You can see him on the Big Ben Parliament, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, some touristy parts of it. He's on this building by himself in his boots. You're right. I mean, I put that in there like to make him look taller. Um, <laughs> but then, so then, but then, like, the story of the video is this dude in glasses like following this woman around, like he follows out of a park and then he walks around Soho with her kind of following her, looking at the sex shops and things like that and feeling very uneasy. And it looks like he's stalking her. I'm like, okay, how did this get on? Kind of thing. Yeah. But then here comes 20, Hero. at the time, 21-year-old Vivian Campbell with his guitar down, save the woman and walk this guy back. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, he was scared to be in Soho. He was scared to be in front of the sex shop. And now that Vivian's there with his guitar, now he's really scared. Now he's really backing off. <laughs> and it's funny because, first of all, that girl was was not real cute. This, this is not like the white state era of videos. <laughs> this is like, can we get a broad, you know, who like isn't busy for three hours or something like that, even for do an English wanna, girl. You do know, you want to put uh, no makeup on her? No, put a ton of makeup. Yeah, it right. cannot be enough. And, and, and she's kind of like pawing on on Vivian and, and gives him a kiss or whatever. And he's trying to walk down the street. He's like, lady, I'm trying to do my solo here. Why don't you bust <laughs> off? You know, kind of like, you're, this isn't a David Lee Roth video. Like, this sucks. You know, where are the hot girls? You know, but, you know, and it seemed like sometimes it didn't even seem like it was synced with what he was playing. And then Jimmy kind of shows up in a trench coat to kind of help. But he looks almost depressed <laughs> to be there, Jimmy, you know, and, until they really start to... You know, the solo is really riffing, and he's kind of doing his thing really well. But it's an amazing song. It's kind of a terrible video. And I, I mean, and I, I don't know. It's like, you know, hey, what's hot on MTV? Well, Duran Duran's really hot, and, and Human League, and, and Spandau Ballet. It's like, okay, well, we're, we're not all English, but we can make it in England. Let's do that, you know? Right. And, and that's why I would think, too, if you... If you didn't know what was going on, you would have thought that this was an English band, especially, you know, Ronnie had been in Rainbow with Mm -hmm. Richie. He'd been in Black Sabbath. He has half of the band is English. They shot it in England. I could see how you could maybe think that that was the case, because there's a lot of guys that that uh, when they sing, you can't tell where they're from. Right. Until until they start talking. So you never know. And then Ronnie starts talking like that's not the voice I thought that was going to come out of his face at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and it was, so it was released in October of 1983. The B-sides were stand up and shout live or straight through the heart live. So I guess they had a chance to tour a little bit and then get those together for singles but yeah no, i mean they're kind of putting this yes we're very english which sells in america and it's sold right. on mtv that's for sure so when you see him at piccadilly circus or, or soho or you see nelson's column or whatever it is it's like oh look at this these guys are english or they're right. over there in england that's so cool again it did not hit the top 40 in the uk despite the video in london it only got to 46 so that hurts it but Mainstream Rocket got up to 14, which I didn't realize it got quite that high. And Mm. so uh, I'm thinking maybe that's why, even though I was older in 1999, when I heard it, I was like, you know what? Uh, There's something familiar about this, maybe. (laughs) I'm not sure. 
Um, all I know is that I liked it then, and I still like it now. I think it's a killer. And I do wonder if, if the keyboards are necessary, because like you say, the original without keyboards... It's it's still pretty heavy, yeah. It, 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 you, didn't, you don't need them. There are songs that the keyboard is the main driver on this one. This is just kind of a little bit on the top. I like to listen to it actually both ways. Yeah, it's like... Uh, Def Leppard's bringing on the heartache. Right. Uh, it's, you know, they've got the one with the keyboards in it. They've got the one without it. And I like them both, man, because yeah. it's just a killer song. Even though your son doesn't like it because it's whiny. Well, he's he's hard to please. He doesn't like he doesn't like the whiny songs is what he says. And he thinks that's whiny. So, okay, well, can't please hard. everybody. Can't, can't make everyone happy, I guess. All right. And we wrap up the uh, the album with Shame on the Night. There's a little wolf howl at the beginning. Yeah. Yes, this one, this one, you could definitely lift for the intro. This is, um, and, and you know, there's a thumping bass from Jimmy without a whole lot of Campbell riff at the start, so it's a little heavy and, and, and plodding. I mean, it's you know, and especially at the end, I feel like this is the most Sabbathy song that he did on this record. Yeah, yeah, and and we've talked about a hundred times now. You know, what are you going to get with the last track on the record? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be is it going to be decent or is it going to be like, well, we need one more. So here you go. That's not the case here. This is a really good song and it, it doesn't it's very heavy. Uh, the drums in it. I like the I like the uh, part where it everything drops out except for the, the bass and the vocals. It's different. It's heavy. And I like this one. Yeah, they, they tried something a little bit different, certainly kind of different from the rest of the stuff on the album. Yeah. The bridge in the middle is a, is a slow down with a little bit of keyboard. So like you said, we didn't overdo the keyboard. We kind of saved the keyboard for like the last <laughs> couple tracks there because we're a heavy right, metal fine. Band, you right? can use them now. Yes. But once again, shame on the sun and you, we're doing that dark and light theme again. Yeah. Great. That's kind of Ronnie's thing. He's always trying to bring balance, bring balance to the force. You know, he's a <laughs> Jedi. That's that's kind of what he would be. In my opinion, I mean, that's that just seems like his theme is like we. I want to make you aware of something here, but it's not all good. It's not all bad. There's another side to the coin there, and and that's kind of what this song's about. And I, I think that's what a lot of his songs are about, quite frankly. Especially he's very Yoda-like <laughs> in more than one way. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're about the same size. They <laughs> seem to kind of have the same hairline. <laughs> They're both very wise. Correct. Correct. So no. So this is obviously a huge hit uh, with heavy metal fans. Between the artwork, uh, between the gothic themes, and if you did see the videos, you probably thought, okay, this is kind of cool. Great music. I mean, a new guitar hero with Vivian Campbell, somebody to worship here with this killer old school rhythm section, man. There's there's a lot to love sonically on this record. Yeah, and, and definitely something that you would have thought was built to go for a long time. You know, they they had the they had all the members in place. They had a band that was it, when you look at it, it wasn't just one person writing. Again, we can get into that in a minute. Right. You know, th- this could have gone on for a long time, if only for other things coming up, other issues. Well, right. And then, you know, the next year, the next year they do Lasted Live, uh-huh. which 
is, you know, look, it's 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 a very heavy record. And to me, that that title track kind of shows off the majesty of metal and the majesty of rock because mm-hmm. you are throwing some keyboards in there. Again, you've got Murray back, you know, kind of on top of all these people, you know, with maybe uh, there's a little, uh, you know, there's maybe Ronnie up there in the corner kind of looking uh, looking down at like all the, the evil that's going on below him. He's just kind of watching it maybe. But, you know, they were, they were moving in the right direction there as far as I'm concerned. And it got great reviews as well. And everybody's back and everybody's sharing in the writing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went platinum uh, in the U.S. too, you know, so and, and it, it hit more of the charts than the first record did, you know, so I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like they're going, I mean, look, it, it only got the 56, Holy Diver, it only had the 56 on the U.S. charts, but it got to 13 in the U.K., you know, which is which is not bad. And then the next album uh, hit a lot of places in the top 50 or, or top 20. 23 U.S. Billboard, number four in the U.K., and of course, you know, Sweden, Norway, Norway, Finland, you know, they they love that metal stuff there. You know, it got like top 10 there. So it's like you you really were building something here. But then as we saw in the movie, as we know from over time, eventually when Vivian's like, okay, now do I get paid? Now do I get, you know, my royalties? Now do I get that kind of stuff? And I think because Ronnie, like, kind of got screwed over by Richie and Rainbow and kind of got screwed over by Tony and Geezer Black Sabbath, is like, no, now I'm the screwdriver and you're the screw. Uh, and, and the name is Dio of the band here. So, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. And so, yeah, Vivian left and went to go do stuff with Whitesnake and then before too long was, uh, was in Def Leppard, you know, so... And then the, the Dio continued with lots of different members over the years. Eventually got Craig Goldie in, who I saw him with in the 2000s. But they never had their commercial success they did with these first few albums, like Holy Diver, Last in Line, Sacred Heart. A lot of people tell you that's, that's the golden era of Dio, especially post-Rainbow and Sabbath. And I don't mm. have I, – I, I really can't argue with that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right on that. And, and that's a tough deal for – that um, dynamic, you know, you've got this kid who comes in who is lighting the world on fire. You know, he wants, wants, wants. And then you've got Ronnie, like you said, he had been with Richie Blackmore. I don't think he even got royalties on that till years later. Right. You know, it, he's like, no, 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 this is my pile of money now. And I will decide who gets it, and who doesn't. But then there was that whole, like I said, there was nothing in writing. So it was, he said, he said, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the tough part of balancing the, you know, you want to be good to people and then thinking that they have their hand in your pocket. And then there was a whole thing about how, okay, fine. What songs did you write for? I think it was Sacred Heart. And, you know, oh, I haven't written anything. Oh, well, so you want me to pay you for nothing then? Mm-hmm. Just, it just gets ugly. I know. And even Vinny's like, Ronnie, we've got this like hot guitar stuff. You don't want to lose it. You just don't. Like this is an yeah. important piece of the puzzle. You know, and he, uh, Vivian and Jimmy did the hearing aid thing um, mm-hmm. with stars, you know, that had all yeah. the different heavy metal singers and stuff and did the album, which is basically USA for Africa. Or, you know, it's the it's the heavy metal version of We Are the World kind of things. Like they didn't invite us. So we're going to do our own thing. And, and right. that was a positive thing that they did there and, you know, brought together a, a lot of people like Judas Priest, you know, like Quiet Riot, like Queens Riot. I mean, there's a lot of great talent on that record so you would think it was all going very well and and ronnie was kind of like the king of the strip you know because he was so much older than everybody i mean 
He was recording. Right. He was recording in the fifties. Now I think he was a teenager, but still, he was recording in the fifties. He was much older than even like Vinny. I mean, like most everybody in his band. Like when he came to Black Sabbath, he was like older than those guys. You know. <laughs> so you know, he he it was kind of like the Pied Piper of the Sunset Script. Like if he said something, the young kids would listen to him. You know, and yeah. it's like, what are your dreams? What do you want to achieve? You know, don't let this get in the way. Don't let the drugs you know bring you down. He was. Such a positive person. And, you know, every time I saw him play, anytime anyone saw him play, all he ever said was, thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for coming to the albums. So to see this guy who was such a positive influence on so many kind of have this other side, and I guess, look, it's it's not music friends, it's music business. Right. To, to cut yeah. out this talent, you know, it's kind of, it kind of sucks, I guess. Yeah, and it just to, to have, I mean, I'm sure in his mind, in Ronnie's mind, you know, he he plucked this kid from obscurity. Yes, he had the, you know, he had the talent, but I mean, that doesn't, there's a thousand people with talent that never make it, and I gave you this chance, and you basically, you know, spit at my face, bit the hand that feeds you, whatever you want to, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. But then on the flip side, you got Vivian saying, hey, you know, we talked about this. You said you were going to do this for me. We're all in this together. And now you're telling me, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. I don't know. It's it's tough. I, I think I think they mended some fences before Ronnie died. And I but I hope that's the case, because that's the only like you said, that's the only time I've ever heard anybody say anything even remotely negative uh, about Ronnie. Yeah, yeah. Unkind about Ronnie. Yeah, I know. That's that's the thing, you know, and look, living well is the best revenge. And being a Def Leppard is is a hell of a gig. (laughs) It's a hell of a good gig to have. And, and things kind of worked out for Ronnie. I mean, he went to Sabbath for Dehumanizer in the early 90s. And although there's some good stuff on there, the, the time had kind of passed. Yeah. Grunge was happening. And, you know, it was kind of like you missed the window. But he did get back together with him. I feel very fortunate. I got to see him play with Heaven and Hell, which is the Mob Rules lineup of Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. I got to see... Him do that twice. I got to see him in a killer show. Iron Maiden was the headliner. Motorhead was the opening act. And then the middle was Dio with, with Craig Goldie on guitar. All right. Doing not a full set, but basically doing his, his greatest hits. And you don't need two hours for that, to, to be honest with you. I mean, if you throw in all the Sabbath and all the Rainbow, then yeah, probably. But he had a great set. He was great live. And yeah, he's, he's, he's short. He's short on stage. <laughs> Um, but he's a great entertainer and, and I was just fortunate that he, he made up with, with Tony Iommi and, and Geezer. Yeah. They had that second run there. They did do some new stuff and it's not bad. It'll never have the same place in my heart as that kind of heaven and hell right. mob rule stuff, but the devil, you know, I'm glad that they made that. I think a lot of it's better than some of the stuff they did on Dehumanizer and just the fact that they toured there, but he was taken from us a little, a little young. He, the thing is, he was already pretty old. I mean, he he'd be in his eighties now. I feel like if he were still alive. Yeah, I, I I didn't realize that he had died so long ago. I thought it was fairly recently, but I mean, I think that was what two thousand ten. Yeah, it's been more than a decade now. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess maybe because that movie just came out, it was kind of leading me to believe that it hadn't been that long. But yeah, what I loved about the the end of the Dreamers Never Die was when they were talking about the last recording session that he did, and he was still just belting it out like he never ever lost a voice and he never lost a passion for performing that's right that's right no he he gave a lot to his fans uh yeah. he was good to them you know i've read his book which basically ends with him headlining medicine square garden with dio 
So I, I, I'm sad that there's not another book kind of thing to kind of the later years to kind of tell some of those stories. But, you know, he wanted to talk about growing up, becoming Ronnie James Dio, the professional, and then hitting it big, basically. Uh, and, and, you know, you say, well, you hit it big with Rainbow and you hit it big with Sabbath. But then being his own man, right. and his own band. Yeah. Being from New York, headlining Madison Square Garden, that's a big deal. And that's a, that's a good way to close it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you're right. You know, you're saying he hit it big, but it wasn't really his thing until this record came out. This was his thing. This was his chance to be the star and kind of come into his own. And I can imagine that. Yeah, because I've heard more than one person from New York say that you're not anything until you headline at the Garden. MSG. And then, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so God bless you, Ronnie James Dio. We miss you. Yeah, uh, and for those who maybe like some of his stuff in other bands, make sure you go see. Make sure you, you check out his. Uh, you can't really call it a solo album. I no, know it's called, no, yeah, it's it's just, but it's not called Ronnie James Dio. It's called Dio. Right, correct. Yeah, and it truly was a band that that uh, all worked together. And yeah, check it out. Absolutely. Well, that is our take on Holy Diver, turning 40 here as we're releasing this, which is crazy to think. But all I know is I miss Ronnie James Dio. He was a bright light. He was a fantastic talent. He loved what he did. He loved his fans, and he gave it up for them every single night. The kind of guy who I think that I would have liked to hang out with. Vivian Campbell aside, I've never really heard anyone say anything bad about Ronnie. And that really tells you something, because it's a dirty business, this music business. And we're not trying to promote the music business. We're trying to promote the music that we love. Keep it alive for the next generation. And it's regretful that we never had the chance to speak with Ronnie. But we'd love to talk to Vivian. We'd love to talk to Vinny. We'd love to talk to Craig Goldie. Any of the people who've played with Ronnie over the years, we would love to have you on the show just to tell us about what it was like being on the road with him, what it was like to record with him, the kind of guy he was. We'd love to have firsthand accounts on the show here at some point. And if you don't know that album... Holy Diver, you really need to go out there and check it out, man. So as usual, we want to know, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? You have to let us know. You can email us. It's UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com. And you can also reach out to us on Twitter. It's at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. Go to the Ugly American Werewolf at Ugly underscore Werewolf. You can check out our new store, the Ugly American Werewolf in London web store where you can get t-shirts and mugs and a couple of ugly American werewolf goodies. I know Father's Day is coming up. Maybe get yourself something or get something for that special someone there. And of course, we want to thank Pantheon Podcast for making us part of the family. You can check them out, pantheonpodcast.com. And you got to check out Rare Vinyl. We do have a new discount code for you there. So it was podcast, but now it's ugly. U-G-L-Y. Use ugly and save 10% off your orders. So if you've used podcasts in the past and now they won't let you use it again, all right, we'll go back and use Ugly. And this time, get something expensive. Get something that's a few hundred bucks that's impossible to find and save yourself 30 bucks on there with a 10% discount, Ugly, at rarevinyl.com. The great news is we have got some really killer stuff coming up. We've got some cool interviews, guys, from some killer bands some cool rock writers coming up, all sorts of neat stuff. Bad news is I don't even know which one I'm going to release first. It kind of depends on some album drop dates and what we've got going on here at The Wolf. So you're just going to have to tune in. So you got to make sure you download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, be it Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Podbean, 
anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure you download and subscribe. And if you're thinking about it, guys, hey, give us a positive or five-star review. It really helps the show grow. It helps us find more rock fans like you. So until next time, all you rock and rollers all around the world, you be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.